2: Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We want to make it God's best. We want to give you the Word of God. We want you to know God. And that's what we're talking about again today. Last week, we told you about knowing God and his judgments. Most people don't understand the judgments of God. And I'm talking about the church And yet, if we can open up the Word of God and give you scriptures and reveal to you why these judgments are here, what they're doing, how we can see God in those judgments, then we've done our job. We're going to continue in knowing God, and I did not finish the lesson on knowing God in judgment, but in Bible study this week, we talked about knowing God, and it dawned on me that I really should have started where I started in Bible study. I should reveal to you, teach you, introduce you to... Knowing the God of love, knowing God in love, because he is love, God is love. And it dawned on me also that you would have a better understanding of comprehending the judgments of God if I first introduced you to the God of love, because the judgments of God, they throw people off. I'm no longer at my last church because I told the pastor that COVID was a judgment of God, 9-11 was a judgment of God. He thought I was crazy, and it's because he didn't know the God of love. So if I can get you to understand the God of love in all his aspects and all of his manifestations, then it would help you to understand when these judgments come, why the judgments come, what they are intended to do. Most often in the Old Testament, when the judgments came, they came to punish the people. To get their attention, you broke my law, there's a price to pay. The New Testament, while they are still here to punish the people, They don't really punish the church because we've been washed in the blood and we shouldn't be sinning like the world is sinning, but there are messages to the church that God wants to use the church to convey to the lost when these judgments come. Anyway, that's what I want to do. I want to start today talking to you about knowing the God of love, the God in love, And in an effort to know God, we must study the word and see what he says about himself. I love testimonies. My wife loves hearing people testify about God, and they're great. But anything that man gets a hold of, he corrupts, he distorts, he alters, and more often than not, he profanes and he makes it common. There is nothing common about the God of love and grace and truth, and he is divine, He is perfectly holy. He is perfectly pure. He is perfectly righteous. He is forever true to his word. So I am going to stick to the word of God to show you who he is. There are many ways to know God. Well, actually, there's only one way to know God. There are many aspects of knowing him. The only way to know him is through his word and the experiences that word leads you to on a personal level. I wish to show him to you, and I wish for you to know the God of suffering whoa, nobody talks about that, the God of grace, everybody talks about that, the God of judgment, the God of power, the God of love, the God of goodness. I wish for you to become intimately acquainted in all of these manifestations of God. But first, I want you to know the God of love. That's where it should begin. That's the beginning. Everything else will be then lighted by your intimate relationship with the God of love. That is the foundation for every other opportunity. It is the open door for us to walk through. And after we become acquainted with the God of love, then you'll have a better understanding about the God of suffering, the God of judgment, all of these other ones. But as with most things, certain ideas we have about who God is, about what love looks like, will have to be challenged and removed and then replaced with the truth. When the foundation is corrupt, the whole house is at risk of crumbling. In today's church... Love leaves much to be desired in that regard. If anyone should be able to tell and to show the God of love and grace and truth, it's got to be us. It's got to be the saints of God. It's got to be the people of God who claim to know him. Unfortunately, the people of God who claim to know him have been so corrupted and defiled in our thinking by carnality that we no longer represent him accurately and truthfully to the people we are trying to win. In today's church, love leaves much to be desired in that context. If anyone should be able to tell you who the God of love is, it's got to be us. And it's got to be more than just telling you who he is. We've got to demonstrate. We've got to show you that we truly do know him. But like with most aspects of truth during these days of apostasy, deceit, and corruption, the God of love is being counterfeited. There's a counterfeit love in the church. The very nature of God, love is nowhere near being properly represented by the church. Instead, the corrupt culture has once again substituted their version of love. And sadly, we in the church, we have swallowed it and we are imitating them instead of them imitating us. Tolerance, acceptance, compromise have replaced divine standards in God's love. Words like sacrifice and accountability, discipline and judgment are foreign To the world's version of love because the church accepted their principles instead. So we've got to go back to the God of the Bible and we've got to reveal him to you by what he says about himself. The church, unfortunately, is not only missing the power of God, but the church also is void of the love of God. Remember the miracles Jesus performed. They served a purpose, right? When he walked the earth, the purposes of the miracles, they were talked about. There was a reason God allowed Jesus to do the miracles. Remember, he will confirm his word. Jesus is the word of God. He will confirm his word with signs and wonders following. Basically, God's purpose was approving what Jesus had said and done. And when he did the miracles, it was God's way of saying what Jesus is saying is true. I, God, approve of what my son is telling you about me. And we in the church, we can't agree on what we're saying. Uh, Most of what we're saying just isn't true, right? Uh, Or it's been watered down to conform to make it more palatable to the people who don't want to hear us. But the God we preach has got to be the God of truth. God can't confirm any of what we're saying because it's not true. Therefore, we see no power. Acts 2.22, this will help. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by the miracles and the wonders and the signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Basically, what that verse talks about, it says God did the miracles. God, allowing Jesus to demonstrate the power of God confirmed and approved of what jesus was saying so the idea behind the miracles is not for you to build a worldwide healing ministry the idea behind the miracles is not to fill your church the idea behind the signs and the wonders is not to put money in your pocket and make you famous the idea behind the signs and the wonders and the miracles that god does through man is to confirm what man is saying is the truth Once again, if you're not preaching the truth, you ain't going to see the power of God. If you're not preaching the things that God said, if you decide you're going to change the gospel, God is under no obligation to confirm and approve that with signs and miracles. Well, of course not. It's not true. Here, Scripture reveals that the purpose of the miracles and the wonders and the signs that Jesus did was to reveal to the people God approved of what Jesus did and said. He would do the same for us today if we would give him some truth and some holy living to work with, to approve of. But he's not going to confirm the words that I speak if I'm out there drinking, if I'm cheating on my wife, if I'm harboring lustful thoughts towards women. He's under no obligation to approve of what I'm saying. But he can't confirm what we are doing, our sin, our lack of holy living, our compromising lifestyles. God can't and won't confirm any of that. Truth is, we aren't representing him at all, and that's because the sad truth is we in the church don't know him. We don't know his word. You can't know God if you don't know his word. It's that simple. To be honest, I wanted to talk about knowing God through judgments again today, but I believe that the Lord checked me and ministered to me that I needed to present the God of love before I presented the God of judgment people need to be better prepared to accept and understand the judgments of God when they had some insight into how God defines and exemplifies true love that he has for them. That makes sense, doesn't it? So I do believe that because the church has largely failed in its efforts to reveal the God of love to our American culture, it has been unprepared to receive the judgments as acts of love. When I told my prior pastor that there was um, judgments in the earth, whether it was Katrina or whether it was COVID or whatever it was, when I told my pastor that, he couldn't receive it. He didn't believe it. And I had to find another place to go to church because it's important that the God that we are serving is manifested in truth and not man's opinion. So, I do believe that because the church has failed, we have to do a better job of getting into the word of God to identify who he is. Looking at judgment, let's understand God's view of judgment while we're talking about the God of love. Psalm 33, 4 and 5. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Look at that. The word of God is right. And all of his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and he loves judgment. God loves the judgments that he brings to you. He would much rather not bring you those judgments, but when we leave him no choice, when we reject his goodness, which is designed to lead us to repentance, when we reject his prophets, which are designed to call us to repentance, when we reject his word, which is designed to bring us back into the place of serving God by obeying his word, when we reject all of that, the only thing left for him to do to us is to judge us. I've spoken to you. I've sent men to speak to you. I've given you goodness and grace to see how much I love you. These are all designed to cause you to understand that you need to obey me. When we reject all of that, all that's left to him is judgment because the Bible says God is known by the judgments that he keeps, and those judgments hopefully get our attention. You know, my dad, my dad loved me. My dad. I loved playing baseball. He taught me how to play baseball. He taught me how to work. He was a great dad. And yet when I disobeyed him, and after time, after time, after time, eventually, and I know he hated doing it, but he would threaten me. And if I persisted in my disobedience, he would make me stay home from the baseball game. That got my attention. It worked. And I would no longer sass my mom. I would no longer be rebellious. So the judgment of my dad worked, and it caused me to come to obeying him. That's the idea behind the judgment that God sends you. This current plague that we went through, the COVID, people have trouble understanding that God sent it. How could a loving God kill, what is the number, half a million, a million people? How could a loving God do that? Well, because God knows that sin kills, the wages of sin is death, our society was on a self-destructive path that eventually could have resulted in the annihilation of the human race. So in order for God to protect us as a whole, as a race, as a people, he sends us these warnings. And hey, so we lost maybe a half a million, a million people through the COVID. I don't know what the numbers are. I don't believe any numbers that the government's going to give me. Anyway, that's a small price to pay to get us back on the track of obedience. Remember, the sons of Korah in the Old Testament, they were rebelling against Moses. They didn't think Moses spoke for God anymore, and they wanted to have that role. And so what happened? Well, 15,000 of them were killed by the Lord. But well, that's mean and that's cruel, is it? If it saves six million, do you know what I'm saying? God judges things differently than you do. You cannot sit here and judge God based on what you think is right and what's wrong. You are not God. You don't understand how he does things, why he does things. You don't understand. If he just quit doing these judgments and let our sin run its course, we would wipe out the entire human race. I mean, that's what happened over with the flood. Man was wicked. God found eight people, eight people and he used them to start populating the earth again but that's only because man kept on sinning and kept on sinning and kept on sinning and ignored the commandments of god we can't live like that and think we're going to have a healthy culture a healthy society so psalm 37:28 for the lord loves judgment and forsakes not his saints isn't that great i like the fact that he associates loving judgment with not forsaking the saints. That tells us the purpose of judgment is so he can keep the saints where they need to be. Isaiah 61, 18, for I, the Lord, love judgment. So as I'm trying to reveal to you the God of love that his love is divine, his love is never ending, his love knows no limits, and his love cannot be corrupted, his love Will never end. The judgments of God belong in that love. He's trying to protect you. He's trying to get you back where you belong in obedience to Him. The problem, though, isn't that the world won't recognize or accept God's judgments. The problem lies with the church because the church will not associate the judgments of God with His love. You know, many seem to get tired of me. I'm always laying blame for our problems on the church. And actually, I'm being easy. You're better off having me, having to put up with me talking about the judgments of God, his spokesman, than ignoring my critiques and warnings and having to face God without the warnings coming to you to get you away from the wrath and the judgments of God. Truth is, to be spiritually discerning and mature, you should recognize that my words are his words. These aren't my critiques. I didn't make these up. These aren't my warnings. They are his warnings, and here we go. Because his love is divine, and most have very little idea of what that love looks like. They reject his judgments. And no, don't tell me that that's not true. I have seen it in pastors. I have been the recipient of ignorance on their part. first hand. I've been told by church leaders I have a religious spirit. I am following demons and I don't know God. Good news. So, I am wishing for you all to come to know God, so I'm going to tell you the hard truths as well as the easy truths. I want you to know, Father God, better and better, more intimately than you could ever imagine. Remember, Him, listen, catch this, Him knowing us provides our entrance into heaven and eternal glory and eternal fellowship with Him and the rest of the saints. All of that belongs to us if He knows us. Remember, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. So, Him knowing us gets us into heaven. But us knowing him is the key for us to effective ministry on the earth and successful Christian living on the earth as his representatives today. As I went through all the areas in which I wanted to introduce you to him, uh, it suddenly came to me that you would best understand these individual areas and the knowledge of him if I started at the beginning, and the beginning of God is always love. Because last week I talked to you about the knowing God in his judgments, I probably should have started by getting you to know God in his love first. That would create a better foundation for you to understand knowing God in his judgments. So anyway, I'm here today doing just that. I was starting in the middle without ever laying a great foundation for you, but today you're going to be introduced to the God who loves you. Just talking about the God who is known by the judgments which he executes will take on new meaning then. And when you know he sends judgments out of his perfect love for you, you'll have a better understanding of who he is. So we're going to start there, knowing the God of love. Then watch as your understanding of him in his other manifestations takes on new meaning. So today I've got three great scriptures. First John three one. Behold. Every time you see the word of behold in there, just take it out and throw in wow. Behold means wow. Wow. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows him not because it knew him not. Wow. Another word for behold in the simplest translation is wow. Myself, every time I come across the word behold, I take it out. I put wow in there. And what's the wow truth here in this verse? The Father, not God, Not Jehovah, not Lord, Father has gifted us with his love. Yes, he has gifted us. He has bestowed upon us as a king, bestows favor or blessing or even honor on someone. He has bestowed upon us, upon you and me, his love. If you have come to know the love of Christ, this verse should knock you down. He's gifted you with his love. He has bestowed upon us his love. Yes, upon sinful mankind, he has placed this love. This love born of divinity, this greatest force in the entire universe, the most prized possession in all of creation, the greatest gift anybody could ever receive, the love of God, and he blesses us with it upon mankind. He gives it to sinful mankind, wicked mankind, depraved, evil mankind. He has transformed us by this love. By his grace, we are now recipients of his love. But there's so much more in that verse. He didn't stop there. He just didn't save us by this love, but he went further, much further. He made us his children too. We're not just saved. We are now the children of God. Wow, I find that so awesome. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that at all. He didn't even have to save us. But the love that he crowned us with, that delivered us from our sin, has now brought us into his own family and made us his own children, which makes him our father. I mean, what else can be said? What more can I say? God loves you. There you have it right there. He could have let you go and die in your own sin like they did in the flood. But no, he loved you so much. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here in that verse, we have the basic God loves you scripture. It's an affirmation by God of his divine love for not just man, us, but for all of his creation and the admiration he has for the great work that he did. He did it and the way he ordered it. He loves that. It's a picture of his love for us because that's the environment he created for man. 1 John 3, 1, another great scripture. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. I just read that. We should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because God knows us. We look just like him. We just looked at that verse and here we see God's picture of what? His love for us. To us, amen. Romans 5 5 and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Here we take a look at God's love for us. All of that love by God is culminated in his entrusting to us this most precious of all commodities, his love. But now it's no longer love that's for us or even to us, but is demonstrated by the gift of love, by the picture of love that God places in us. So we see John three sixteen tells us that God loves us. Amen. And then we see also that 1 John 3, 1 tells us that God gives us this love upon us. And here now we have the culmination of that love in Romans 5, 5. Hope not, make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Now we have this love in us. I mean, we are perfectly capable of loving like God does. We've got the love for us. We've got the love to us and we've got the love in us. So we're going to break this down in the next coming weeks talking about the special love of God and what it looks like and how it works in us. But I did want to get you a little bit of a framework for like when you come across the harsher aspects of knowing God, such as, you know, nobody wants to know God and his suffering. And yet we're called to be that, to partake in that suffering. And we need to understand the judgments of God because they're in the earth now. And if we know that they're done because he loves us, we'll have a better Ability to understand. He's really just trying to keep us from self annihilation. He's trying to show us you're drifting. You're off the path. You've lost your way. Remember in the book of Revelation, he talked to the church at Ephesus and he let them know that, hey, because you've left your first love. And we didn't lose the first love. We left it. We walked away from it. Ouch. You know, the Bible says God's got us in his hand. It's a masterful grip, it's a strong grip, and he won't let go of us. But we. According to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, and the church at Ephesus, we left off that love. Our hands slipped away from him. We walked away from his love and you can't do that. And that's what we've done today. That's why the judgments are here. We're facing God's wrath. We're facing his judgment because everything that we're doing denies God. You can't talk about sin in our society anymore because the fact man is a sinner and it's offensive to man when we tell him that. But that's the first step of us coming back to him is to recognize our need for a savior that we are sinners and we need to repent but that's because God loves us these judgments are designed to bring us to repentance we just can't keep what's the word uh, lifting up our nose and uh batting our eyes at God and shooing him away we've got to address our sin problem we've got to address the fact that America is in trouble that we've got these judgments 911 Katrina um, COVID, uh, homosexuality, these are all judgments by God because we have ignored him. We have told him, no, thank you. There's a church on every corner. And some of them are even preaching the gospel. <laughs> Most of them aren't. But, you know, I heard a number, Dr. Ed Young, he's a, a big, famous preacher here in Houston, Second Baptist Church, wonderful man of God. And he was making the statement that uh, because of the woke movement in our nation, in our government, it's in our seminaries today. And he believes that 90% of our churches have been infiltrated by this woke spirit, whereby we won't hold anybody accountable. Uh, We won't challenge sin in our nation. Uh, We won't call for repentance, but we're thinking we can fix our problems by electing better people to our government, which is false. Sin is a spiritual problem. You don't fix it by sending carnal people to go ahead and Fix Washington. Washington is broke. It won't be fixed, by the way. You don't fix spiritual problems with carnal solutions. The only way America will come back to knowing God is through a spirit and a call and a divine move by God of repentance. Repentance doesn't begin in the mind of man, it begins in the heart of God. And that is our prayer that God would send us repentance, that He would use these judgments to reveal His great love for us so that we don't perish and wind up apart from Him for eternity. We love you. We'll be back next week in Jesus' name.
1: Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.